Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Strong mom. Strong Hey, I'm Poppy Ajuda and welcome to my Strong Woman podcast. This podcast is all about discussing the things most important to me, from music, feminism, sexuality and gender, to race, class and politics. On this podcast, I will invite friends to talk about how these concepts intersect with their lives and hopefully offer you a little bit of laughter and a lot of food for thought. Hey, what's up? You're listening to this week's episode in conversation with Lava LaRue. Lava is an incredible artist, singer, rapper, and all-round creative. They are the founder of a beautiful community of even more creatives called Nine Eight Collective. And we have such a refreshing and honest conversation about music, about their journey, identity, queerness, gender. We kind of touch on everything, and I really, really enjoyed this chat, so I hope you enjoy it too. Hey, Lava, how are you? I'm good, how are you? I'm good, thanks. It's really nice for me to have another musician and writer to talk to because I feel like I was thinking about it and while people express themselves in like lots of different ways or can be very outward, I feel like to be a writer or to be a musician, you have to be quite a emotionally in touch, you have to be quite reflective, you have to like really think about the world. It's going to be interesting for me to understand like how you think about the world and like how you internalise it. So I kind of wanted to start with asking you like how your journey started with music. Well, that's a very good question. First of all, this room's really nice. Like, <laughs> I don't think people won't be able to like see it from hearing this, but it's very uh, all the things hanging off the walls. It's like such a zen vibe. It's my tourist energy. I can't yeah, help. Yeah, yeah, no, can't I, help the feng shui. <laughs> it's very. I feel like to be, you know those accounts that make um, tourist starter packs. Do you know what I mean of what their living rooms would be? I yeah. feel like this is the starter I'm, pack. I'm living literally room. like a typical tourist meme. Yeah. Every, every tourist meme is like, yeah, yeah. it's me. <laughs> so you just asked me like a really profound question, and now we're talking about like tourist memes. Yeah, I like, know. <laughs> sorry about that. Um, my journey. How did I start? Um, that's a good question. I mean, I always find that really hard because I feel like there's always like a psychological root of what brings you to be a creative person. Mm. And it's like, how far back, how how beginning are we like yeah. going? Do you know what I mean? But I think definitely growing up with a Caribbean family, because my mum's side, they're all Jamaican and I grew up with them, just met gospel church on Sundays and like listening to, I don't know, just being around sound system culture and reggae and dancehall and R&B and all of that kind of stuff. So, you know, everything was a bit of 
the song and dance growing up anyway. So, yeah, my mum would make me like, or my grandma would be like, all right, perform for everyone right now. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And I'd be like, oh, okay, I don't want to. Um, but I feel like I started kind of rebelling from that and doing my thing around the age of 13 or 14. And then when I was 16, I kind of went to like a really rubbish college where I met incredible people who were just dropouts like me and my best mate big pig jess and at that point both of us were like oh we kind of want to go into music but like don't really know how Mm. and where to go around it we have no contact so we all just kind of me and some other mates all put like 20 quid in and started our own little bedroom studio setup and yeah then she started big pig and i started like love literally on like basically the same day and we just started making stuff in our friend's bedroom and putting it out on soundcloud and it just got picked up i guess and yeah now now it's our career but yeah just kind of like i don't know there's like so many different things i could add on to the story but i guess if i was to have like an origins or like Mm. you know the superhero origins film like that's what would happen in it do you know what I mean so it's mad I feel like then community was always a big part of what you've done from the beginning because I didn't know that obviously 9-8 would have been founded later than that Mm -hmm. but it started with you finding people to do it with and Mm -hmm. it was something that I wanted to talk about as well because when I started I had Steez and Mm. that was like my first entry into meeting other musicians because like where I was coming from I couldn't afford lessons I didn't have any other musicians that I knew like I didn't know a way into it and then I kind of got I got offered a slot at Steez which was like a huge thing I was mm-hmm. like oh my god yeah. can I play my material yeah. at Steez and that like helped me really understand who I was yeah. just through meeting other musicians trying to work themselves out too yeah how important has 9-8 been for you? Well, funnily enough, I have a great story about Steez because that's where I ever performed, like, rapped in front of people and, like, for the first time. Oh, man. So, you know, Big Pig told me about it and she was like, oh, there's this thing in, like, Southeast. And, like, we were both from West at the time mm. and we were like, oh, there's this thing in Southeast, let's go to it. And it's just, they had this thing called Open Verbs or whatever. Yeah, yeah, I remember, um, yeah. And it was, like, hosted by Cecil B. And um, we were just, like, these were just random people I kind of had seen off soundcloud and um yeah that was literally the first ever time i actually performed like bars to a group of people as we were going to open mic nights together and that's so mad because that was probably my first time really performing yeah 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 that was the first time me and her like performed to a crowd together as well and yeah we would kind of like do that on a weekend or a wednesday or whenever at first it was like the fox of Falcon, and then i think it moved to deptford anyway we'll trek there get home really late and then see each other in like first period the next day at school (laughs) do you know what i mean and be like oh yeah last night was sick do you do you remember that person and then Mm. the jazz solo they did on the drums or whatever and then i think we what we started doing is we started finding resources and references and we were all swapping it you know we'd listen to something from that night and then we'd find like the original that that jazz band was covering and then we'll go vinyl hunting for it and then we'd all sample it and like send each other the sample packs and we just had basically creative currency where it's like Mm. you know you make a video for me I'll make the merch for you you produce this for me I'll feature on your new project and that's just how it was and the more we kind of swap styles and resources the more we almost have 
had like a unifying style and mm. I guess that's when I coined it under 9-8 but that's just because mm. that was the year I was born and that was the year Jess was born we were like 9-8 <laughs> collective but yeah like it's weird it's definitely my community but we're also like a group of friends so but you know that, I, mean? I mean that's always how it starts I feel like if you don't have the resources to just do it out on your own which is basically most people then you have to find other people to support you and to do it with and, and to share that time with and I feel like that was such an important time for me yeah because I didn't know anything I didn't know anything about jazz music or yeah. like anything I was just there with my guitar like trying to be heard yeah and actually like being inspired by all these other people who were just experimenting with what they did yeah and so I guess in that sense community for both of us yeah, has yeah. been really important in like our development of our sound and personhood yeah for sure when you create music do you have because obviously like you have a lot of songs that talk about social issues or like a political do you have a goal in mind or a message in mind or is it song by song you feel certain things yeah it's funny like I very rarely ever set out to make a political song Mm. um I think just based off of like my experience and things I've gone through life naturally you know that's going to come out in the music because before I do music to like pay my bills I first and foremost just do it as like an outlet of like my perspective of Mm. just like growing up in like an inner city west london as a queer black person do you know what i mean Mm. and like because that is my perspective Mm. when i do like rap or sing about that stuff it comes across as really political but it is just my everyday life and sometimes i'll come out with stuff and i'll kind of surprise myself because i'm like raw like that was deep do you Mm. know what i mean but i i didn't actually set out i was just like it was just a trail of consciousness and i'm just like writing it and then it comes out like that so i feel like you know, I never really set out to make political music, but it really just would come out because I am just talking about what I'm going through in my experience. Mm. And a lot of it somehow just ends up being really on topic. Do you know what I mean? And it seems intentional, which I don't mind because, you know, I'm I'm just realistically trying to speak my truth. And, mm. you know, sometimes also my truth is something completely different or, you know, even a romance story. But it's funny because even when I'm doing like a romance song, it's still a queer romance mm. song. So it's still like people like, yo, that was so important to be like, to be <laughs> presented and seen and it, for me it's like that's mad because I was just writing a song about you know being be cute yeah. and like falling in love or whatever but because there's such little representation of people mm. with that kind of voice and perspective you know saying that narrative on that genre of music then it comes across as like this is like mm. you know being progressive mm. you know also like for an artist music is kind of our therapy it's like yeah. how we're making sense of the world yeah. and we just have to put it out and let everybody judge it yeah, whereas exactly. like you might draw a picture or paint in your spare time but like mm. nobody's out here being like oh you're really like representing me with that yeah yeah, yeah. with that art and yeah, so it's yeah. like obviously it always starts from us yeah but yeah I actually it's funny that I even asked you that question because I also struggle with that statement that my music's political yeah because in my head I'm not trying to be political yeah. I'm just talking about the things that I care about yeah exactly um, exactly I, I totally hear you yeah and you mentioned being queer but also being non-binary uh-huh. how has that been for you in the music industry and I don't know even for me as like a female identifying singer yeah. aside from being a person of colour or being yeah. queer I feel like I've experienced a lot of barriers in terms of like producing or playing instruments or like feeling like I'm not allowed in a certain space or that I have to prove myself yeah have you experienced any of that yeah I have in strange ways I think like gender identity and gender expression is something that now there's been actual like 
words to coin it or explain it. And because of that, because there's mm. actual like terminology for these things and more people are becoming aware of it, it feels like suddenly it's like this big thing. And of course, it's something that needs to be spoken about and represented. But for me, gender fluidity has been in music since the beginning of mm. music. When you look into history, it's always been a thing. Yeah. So for me to navigate it, you know, when I've come across troubles, I've just always looked into like the people that I look up to, you know, the the sort of gender fluid rock stars or people who maybe, you know, the, the exact term non-binary, like mm. wasn't specifically Coined out then, way, yeah. then, but I can see in their work or them mm. like just having like a whole free gender expression and it was just completely accepted in society, like Prince, for example. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Where There's Prince artists, literally yeah. has music where like, you know, they're saying, I'm not a woman, I'm not a man, mm. I'm something you will never understand. You know what I mean? That's one of my favourite Prince songs. And people would just always interpret it how they would. But I feel like, actually, you know, this is something that has been in history. You know, we've been here, but only now because there's actual terminology for it, people are looking. But in terms of the actual, like, struggle, I feel like I'm very lucky that I've built my... Well, not lucky, I did it on purpose, but mm. I've built my network of people around me who I know has got my back. Mm. And I feel like it is a very very different experience for someone who comes into this industry who don't quite fit into categories or are navigating their like gender or sexuality and they feel like a lone wolf Mm. and I think the problem is is that a lot of people especially like non-binary people or femme identifying or like trans people they are brought into this industry feeling like a lone wolf and Mm. often by like cis white men in the industry like pitted against each other like Mm. there can only be one and I think that's where there can be like a lot of problems and you come across things that can feel patronising where from the get-go I had my people I had my Mm. people where I never had to explain myself it was mad you know a lot of people who are in my collective they're like crazy little like skater kids or like do you know what I mean like I don't know rappers or whatever Mm -hmm. but none of them ever had a problem with my identity or my gender identity Mm. from like the age of 16 because they're my crew and they've got my back and I think when you have that you don't really if you know your people in music you don't have to look left you don't have to look right you've got your crew you go forward you make the music you want to make you work with the people you want to work with and I feel like that for me has been like my experience but out of resilience Mm. because I know what it's like it could be for me on the other side and I can't be like doing any of that do you know what I mean I feel like that has been a running thing with so many people I've spoken to on this podcast how important it is to have people around you that support you yeah and if you don't have those people you have to just find them because you can't get through this yeah. life yeah. without being able to accept yourself and Words. like be who you want to be exactly but sometimes it can feel like you're in an uphill struggle mm. when you don't have that mm. and it can feel like you said like like you're a lone wolf like yeah. it doesn't make sense and I, I think have you always been open with being queer or is that something that came later uh yeah I have it's funny I mean I I left home quite young so the times where I feel like maybe I would have been having like conversations with my family about that or whatever I was already kind of just yeah out of the house like you know sofa hopping just like doing my own thing and then by the time I already was openly queer like I was already older and like at my I had my own like little council flat and I had my own people whatever so it was Mm. a very different experience to then like you know being young and having to come out to your family and stuff because I kind of just was a bit of a nomad for a while so I was just kind of my thing and and I was just sort of like I don't feel the need to come out I am what I am and everybody Mm. knows that I be dating with 
women anyway. Do you know what I mean? But it wasn't it wasn't a, a traditional coming out story. But to be honest, <laughs> there, there never really is any kind yeah. of traditional coming out story. Um, but, but yeah, wait, what was the question? No, no, I was just I was just wondering about it because yeah, I I came out quite late. Yeah, like only a couple of years ago. Yeah, and it was definitely a bit more like not traditional because obviously I was already not living at home. Yeah, and stuff. yeah. yeah. But it still felt like something to navigate. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I definitely like when you look at baby photos, me, you can like my <laughs> my dyke energy is like high. I'm not going to lie. Like when I look at photos of me, I'm like, it's very ragingly obvious. Do you know what I mean? Like I've always, yeah. But I think they just called it a tumboy. Do you know what yeah, I mean? That's, that, that's that the easiest way. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I was kind of interested to ask you as well, like in terms of talking about your identity or like being non-binary, do mm. you think that it's you? useful to like talk about it do you not like explaining it in terms of that conversation because mm. I feel like there are a lot of people who have really rigid ideas of what gender should be mm. and it is still can be quite a hostile environment for like the wider general public or yeah. family or whatever and obviously it means a lot when you're in the public eye to present in a way that is against a lot of British norms or whatever. Mm. I'm sure it feels for people who identify with you mm. and everyone else like quite courageous for you to do that in the public eye. Do you know what I mean? It's like a different thing to just doing it on your own. Yeah. How do you feel about have, not having to explain or like choosing to explain it? Yeah, no, I feel like from a very young age, I definitely always questioned and rejected gender. And I never thought I was weird for it or I never felt confused. It was other people who were confused mm. and it was other people who were well, to me who are weird about it. I was like, I'm not weird. You man are being weird. Like <laughs> how you guys are telling me like I've got to do this, this and this because of like what's between my legs. You lot are weird. Do you know what I mean? Like that's how I was. But I was very much like an anti-authority, like mm. resilient kid do you know what I mean and I was a bit like I lived with my grandma for a long time and she lived on this very rough block and I knew that like if I was going to present the way I was going to present if I was the little tomboy like I'd need to be able to like scrap the mm. other kids and have little comebacks so I, I always kind of had that but I think I always recognised, even if I couldn't quite put the words on it, I always recognised that gender was a spectrum. Mm. And I think the problem where people might not understand binary is people almost see non-binary as like a third gender, mm. where the whole thing is like, no, yeah, there's non-binary. <laughs> yeah. There's no there's no yeah. left or right. Like, do you know what I mean? People, we've been conditioned to think that there's like left or right or like, you know, blue or pink mm. or like black or white. Do you mm. know what I mean? Where it's just like, you're either on this side and this is what this side comes with or you're on that side and that's what that side comes with. When actually it's more of like a colour wheel. Mm. If we're talking like colours, it's more of a colour wheel with gradients where everybody fits within those gradients and there's little bits where the gradients kind of like interlock. Mm. And also it's a sliding scale as well where you can kind of like verge into different places and understand that more. Do you know what I mean? Like, And I was having a really good conversation with this with my friend who's trans and also identifies as a lesbian, mm. you know, and there was this kind of like conversation because she's trans to almost be performative to her like heteronormativity mm. well it's like oh if you're trans and you want to like pass as a woman you know that obviously means you then have to be followed the the stereotypes mm. which are actually sometimes negative stereotypes mm. of what like a woman must look like and you have to be passing and you have to be with a guy because that's what you want and it's like no she was also she literally also called herself a dyke and mm. like owned that do you know what I mean and you know that's that's just an, a great example of how it really is a spectrum and yeah for me you know my pro 
pronouns are she and they mm. because even though I consider myself non-binary and I've always been like gender fluid mm. I also had the experience of being raised as a black woman by other black women and mm. having the experience of being treated as a black woman do you know yeah. what I mean so I still kind of keep those pronouns there because I identify with, as, yeah. with that even though I don't necessarily identify with what people have categorized mm. with like the idea of just like gender do you mm. know what I mean I feel like um, also it comes it kind of comes down to society's obsession with one seeing things in binary mm. like not only like you mentioned black and white and male and female but we see a lot of things in like really binary ways mm. and instead of seeing the world as nuanced and complex and mm. that's kind of our problem with politics at the moment I find mm. is that like people are like are oh, you on this side or on that side mm. and actually like people are complex and, and history is complex and so is the world that we live in mm. right now and so there's no use in seeing the world in, in that way and I think that's why the term queer was always really powerful to mm. me when I first learned it because I never really understood the term bi and I felt like it had a lot of um, stereotypes with it that I didn't identify with mm. that were kind of misogynistic in some ways mm. and so like, when I found the term queer I was a bit like oh wow there's something that it speaks to that nuance it speaks to not having to conform to a certain space I mean in a lot of unis and stuff they talk about the queering of loads of things mm. like of politics mm. of gender of all these things because it's about seeing the world in mm. a different way and mm. actually if we were to all engage in that way and see the world in a more nuanced more complex way yeah. it's harder work you know yeah. it's harder work to have to acknowledge everything but you know we would actually all be happier because yeah. even if you weren't someone who identified as non-binary you would be happier if you didn't feel like you had to wear the constraints yeah. of gender identities completely completely i don't think i don't even think it's harder work i think it's so much hard work literally polarizing everything mm. i think we've been taught that it's an easier way to understand things and you know they've made it really basic even in politics being like oh yeah you're either like woke and you're on this side mm. and this is what you believe in or you know you're a right-wing fascist pig mm. and you, this is the way you think and you know that can be really dangerous because really you know dangerous. the way people perceive things or whatever and it goes back to gender as well mm. do you know what I mean I think the problem is there's different traits and people will have you know seen that and understandably to begin with defined it as like masculine or feminine mm. energy like being maternal like being nurturing mm. or maybe being like you know maybe more aggressive thinking or knowing what you want and it's very dangerous and I even see it like I have like three little brothers and raising them it's like I find mm. it very dangerous to teaching them oh you can't be emotional like you know my the eldest boy like Aaron he's like very sensitive very compassionate mm. in more so than I was when I was younger I was like very like rough and like wanted to like climb mm. trees and stuff do you know what I mean and you know that's like being looked down on his like male peers because it's seen as feminine when I think that's one of the best traits about him so it's like it helps everyone do you mm. know what I mean rejecting the binary and especially with really young people it stresses me out so much yeah, when they're words. so forced into like gender norms so young yeah. and I see it all the time especially with like different family members and stuff yeah. and it's just like your brothers are so lucky to have someone like yeah. you who can show them that certain ways to be are okay yeah. or like any way to be is okay yeah. whichever they feel most comfortable with and just putting a gender on it is weird like it's for so me it's weird. just it's so unnecessary and it's yeah. so weird it's not like complex and like oh what's going to happen like to our society of people who are born with this or don't identify mm. with like what they're born with for me it's like ridiculous like it's so annoying and the I remember when I was like looking after like my two little brothers they're both toddlers I was with my partner my girlfriend and one of the brothers I think he like knocked himself or whatever and he wanted to cry and he just started like pulling his face like this he was like mm -hmm. 
like, and I was like, "What are you doing?" And he's like, "I'm trying not to cry." And I and like literally, my girlfriend looked at me like, "That is not good." Like, yeah, you know, you know, tell him right now he's allowed to cry because that can harbor into something so dangerous yeah. in life. And gender binary does reinforce that. But we Te- see you know that. I mean? We see yeah. that in so many men. Yeah, that they just are in, unable, completely unable. They haven't been given any of the tools to express mm. their emotions. Yeah, and I think also what we're talking about is exactly the same thing. Is when pe- even like people not wanting to accept gender fluidity is that idea that like you learn a version of yourself Mm. and the idea of your worldview changing is just too scary it's like don't tell me that there's more than male and female because I've learned my whole life Mm. and I've built my whole identity Mm. on this version of who I should be that the world has taught me I think that can be quite a hard thing for people to come to terms with who have bought in to that worldview because that's what's taught to us in Mm -hmm. school and like and I think we're fortunate to be able to see outside of that because of there's something maybe that's natural about us that forces us to feel differently because we're queer or because we're whatever yeah yeah yeah. and and I think I I do really like see that how difficult it can be to like address your it's almost like you've you've believed in God your whole life and Mm. then someone's just forced you to realize that God isn't real Mm -hmm. and that would be world shattering yeah. and I feel like sometimes it's like that with people especially older people they've learned their understanding of the world and they're comfortable mm. and I think it's important to not always be comfortable it's important yeah. to like let yourself out of that yeah because that's how you grow yeah for sure there's a really great word for when you like you know have your ideals and you can't reject them mm. and I, th- I think it's like cognitive dissonance mm. such a great word I threw it in a bar one time I was like <laughs> cognitive dissonance hey. listening. but yeah like it is scary trying to reject that but I think people can do it at any stage in their life and actually even even though it's scary at first, it's one of the most liberating things mm. you will do, mm. you know, and it's difficult and it is scary. But, you know, the whole point of like binary and a lot of these things is it categorizes you. Mm. It does. And I know it sounds like such a cliche. And of course, people would like listen and be like, ah, oh, these like bloody Gen Z or these <laughs> millennials, like just wanting to be liberated and feel free. But like, is there is life is so short. There's no reason to box yourself in. Do you I, know what I mean? Like no reason whatsoever. It's that simple. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And I think also like sometimes we don't realize how many things we internalize and Mm. we see as natural to us that Mm. aren't natural to us and things that we perform like we perform gender all the time like it's not who you are it's like what you're doing yeah and I think once people realize that then actually you can be freer yeah I've already quoted this in another episode but (laughs) no it's just like one of my favorite quotes is by this um psychodynamic theorist Zizek and he says that we enjoy the chains of our ideology Mm. and it's that idea that we hold on to our chains sometimes because it's kind of more comfortable or it's based in like this idea of a social norm and actually we don't want to be free from it and it's like if we were to be able to see that to see that we actually don't want to be free from it because then it would be too scary then we might be able to change yeah. but we can't we can't change until we acknowledge it yeah you get for what sure I mean? for sure it's like a toxic relationship ain't it you know what I mean with society <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think we're in an era of like mass information and yeah. everybody has an opinion everybody has something to say and we're yeah. also in an era of like chaos because of the pandemic yeah. but also governments that aren't yeah. giving us clear information and that yeah. we don't trust yeah. so actually like I feel like it's quite natural to feel distrusting in a time where your life is chaotic yeah. you have no certainty about the future yeah. information isn't being made readily available for yeah. us and I see so much scepticism from every angle like obviously there's like the conspiracy theorists yeah, who are like yeah. saying well the, shit the far end of yeah. just like <laughs> but those for me it's funny because I think those are being categorised as like those Facebook mums who are like I'm not letting them put a chip in my son's yeah. arm do you yeah, know what I mean literally. but the thing is what we should be having is conversations mm. I think people are forced into polarised views especially mm. like these kind of conspiracy ones or 
other kind of views when there isn't clear information or trust. Yeah. People have kind of forced into those spaces and, yeah. and actually like the government should be more responsible to be honest. For sure. Do you know what I mean? Thank <laughs> you like child off. The government should be more responsible. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, we can talk about this all day. You know what I mean? I like, literally can. <laughs> yeah, literally. Um, but I wanted to talk about fashion. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> anyway. So speaking about like gender, COVID, um, binaries, let's talk about fashion. Yeah, we're, t- we're going, with, <laughs> we're, we're touching on all the bases. Lovely. <laughs> but also I think fashion, like I love fashion because I think fashion can be subversive yeah. and I think that your fashion can be subversive because nice. it's like creative and it's loud in a lot of ways and it kind of sits outside of the norm and mm. I'm always reminded of this quote by Vivian Westwood which I heard her say and I'd never thought about fashion like this yeah. where she said that basically when you dress creatively or like outside of the norm actually you're being generous mm. to other people because you're inspiring them or you're allowing them to see outside of like this constructed way of how people should dress and I kind of like that I was kind of like yeah That is kind of sick because actually we should all be able to just express ourselves and Mm. be loud and be non-conformist. And I think that clothing does play a role in that. Do you think that what you wear is part of the expression of who you are? Yeah, definitely. Like not consciously, but I think definitely as like a non-binary person in terms of my gender expression, it is like maybe the number one way to feel like I am embodying how I feel on the inside. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And because, you know, some days it will just be like full roadman tracksuit and the other days I'll be wearing like a little silky dress and like high heels and most days it's kind of somewhere in between but Mm. yeah that that definitely helps in terms of like feeling like where I am because I do remember like when I was younger maybe having to dress a certain way to like go to church and feeling really confused because Mm. there'd be times where like I'd feel right in a dress and I'd want to wear it and there's other times where wearing one would make me want to cry and Mm. feel so de-associated from my own body and I didn't quite understand that because it wasn't it wasn't as simple as like oh I never wanted to like Mm. wear one I never wanted to wear a dress I never wanted to express myself as like a femme but it was like I needed to do it on my own terms Mm. and when I felt like it and like I'm not that all the time do you know what I mean but yeah I feel like clothing in that sense is so political yeah because it's so intertwined with stereotypes and like gender norms and constructs and like what it means even like the style of clothes that you wear like what kind of person you are yeah for sure and so like it plays into I don't know it's for me anyway I've I've definitely thought about it so much like I probably I feel like a different person yeah when I dress a certain way yeah or like I have a different energy or like I have a different power yeah in society yeah For sure. I feel like, I don't know if this is like a Gemini thing. It's such a Gemini (laughs) thing to say. But I feel like there are, you know, many different versions of myself. And I feel like I have kind of like a style for all of that. And those versions aren't inconsistent and they're not a sign of like confusion that you're constantly changing up because I think maybe it's not just like an artist thing anyone who like constantly switches up their style normally has a lot of criticism because Mm. it's like oh well you don't really know like who you are and you're confused and you're just changing or you're doing your dress in this way because Mm. you're just trying to like you know forget who you are and be another person when for me it's like you know all of these people have always been inside me it's all different parts of me and and I can actually become these characters and express it in different ways and I I try and bring that into my music anyway, mm. where it's not quite alter egos. Maybe it is a little bit, but, you know, I feel like there's different like generations and seasons of me and I shed my skin and I become mm. something else and it represents how I, I feel that. spiritually and like, you know, gender wise and just, you know, it's not even overly conscious. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I really hear that. And I also I feel like that's that comes into people wanting you to be one version mm. because it's like, I understand this. Digestible. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I understand this if you're like this, but if you keep changing, then yeah. it's just like too scary. 
story. It's even as a crazy. musician, like even as a musician, I think naturally it's easier to brand something mm. where it's like this is the genre, this is the style. You are UK jazz or you mm. are alternative R&B rapper. Mm. And it's like, no, sometimes I'm on a Prince flex. Sometimes I'm on a Gorillaz flex. Sometimes I'm feeling Britpop. Like, I you know, absolutely hate the labels yeah. so much. I'm like, I don't feel like any of them fit who I am. But. And like, who sits down when they make a song to be like, oh, let's make sure it fits into yeah. this category. Like, well, do you know I what mean, I mean? Like, the thing is, I think because people have realised it's digestible and it's easier to sort of make money off, you know, naturally there are now people who make music or like have a kind of asset because they know it will fit on certain playlists or in mm. certain algorithms. Do you know what Which I mean? Which is they so wild to me. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, it's crazy. I think for people like us where we were going to like, you know, these open mic nights in like mm. London and cities where everything was just so fluid and mm. everything was about being there and present and the energy and meeting random people and just like speaking all night and then like becoming best friends with them and stuff like that <laughs> it's such a different world to a generation who even more so through this pandemic mm. are like very much they can only understand or find communities through like their phone the and naturally space, like yeah. you know an algorithm will tailor what they're seeing mm. to that do you know what I mean like to me and, that's so scary yeah. I feel like that comes back to even what we were talking about in the beginning about community yeah and how important it is to have real people that you care about and that care about you and that you can experiment with yeah. because we're moving into an era where everything is online and yeah. obviously with everything going on everything is even more so online yeah, yeah. but what does that mean for our connections with people yeah. on a real level yeah. like what does that mean for intimacy and like yeah. actual true sharing yeah. that isn't based on like stats or numbers or yeah. all these other things that never really existed before yeah. and also that we shouldn't really care about because yeah. do you like it because you like it or do you like it because it's got loads of numbers yeah, yeah, yeah. do you know for what sure, I mean for sure yeah I feel like there's going to be a rebellion of that I though, hope so and I I did a project about that it was like Summer of Love 2.0 where it's just like they're coming back everybody's sort of like actually because I think a huge amount of people have realised what a toxic relationship they've mm. developed with their phone through mm. like the pandemic like a lot of people like I just want to switch off and then there's like a lack of like physical touch and intimacy because of so mm. socially isolating or whatever distancing from each other and then venues have shut down so that means there's been like a rise in illegal raves which mm. you know you can think what you want of it but it exists mm. and you know people are going to crave intimacy intimacy again and people have been turning to you know psychedelics as therapy like mm. in their own houses and mm. like trying things they wouldn't have all through this lockdown so I think there is actually going to be a generation where they kind of revolt from that do you know what I mean I feel like it feels inevitable but I yeah. hope as well yeah I feel like that always happens though like people yeah. kind of like latch onto something and then they revolt from it yeah. and then that is like how culture moves yeah yeah exactly like it exactly. gives rise to new things yeah precisely precisely uh, so my final question, which mm -hmm. I ask <laughs> everyone, yeah. uh, who are the strong women in your life and how did they shape you? That's a very good question. Definitely my grandma. Like my grandma is like first generation Jamaican migrant, came to the UK and just the literal experience of being like mm. a black woman in the UK in like you know the 70s and mm. just everything she went through is just always like admiring and she's just like a solid just rock do you know what I mm. mean um, and just would like work three jobs work a like early morning job come marinate the chicken go to the second job and then still be up my backside making <laughs> sure like I come correct and yeah. as much as I resented it then like I really appreciate that now but yeah I'm very lucky because I also have a team who are like all women my manager's like a woman my like A&R PR like That's everyone so cool. is so great like and they're all just like powerhouses as well and just have my back and there's certain things I don't really have 
have to explain to them if I'm having like mm. a down day in terms of my mental health or if I'm just like got awful cramps and I cannot do that shoot do you mm. know what I mean it's like I don't even they're like cool it's done babe cancelled yeah. like, do you know what I mean and that makes all the difference it yeah. really really does and I think having that from the get-go really set me in the right way do you know what I mean mm. um but yeah, and then there's just so many women that I look up to that, you know, literally inspired me, inspired my lyrics and who I wanted to be. Definitely Angela Davis, mm, for sure. Always. Of course. Say um, name. <laughs> yeah. And I think in terms of like as an artist and that like rock star energy, definitely Grace Jones as mm. well. Um, and then, yeah, there's so many people I think when I was younger who I saw and I was like, oh, I want to be like, I want to be like you. I think when I first saw like Joan Jett from the runaways mm. and I was like, yeah, I want to be like a rock star like that. Do you know what I mean? It definitely informs my style a bit, but yeah, the list could like, the, the forever, list never yeah. ends in it. Like, uh, yeah. <laughs> but I love that. I feel like everybody has like such different people that they bring up, but everybody it's just like it shows the importance you know yeah. and and I love that so yeah thank you so much for joining <laughs> thanks me thanks for having me great <laughs> Sick, yeah <laughs> how do you end these things this is, this is it this is how we end it this is the end of the show hey you Poppy. can do my skit for me yeah <laughs> strong woman thank you for listening to this week's episode of my strong woman podcast if you loved what you heard please subscribe and tune in on Spotify Apple Music or wherever you get your podcasts big love With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.